This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. So good afternoon, University Church. You know, this is family. This is home for me. You know, and I, I always feel, uh, I think, I'm most at ease speaking to you and delivering a word to you because you are my family. I don't know, maybe I need to hold this closer? Hold it closer. You know what, let's, let's have a word of prayer that God will guide me as I speak. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this privilege of coming together once more as I prayed earlier. But now I just ask you to guide my words. Uh, Lord, just let my words be your words. Um, and you know the, the burden you have for your people. So help me to, to deliver your, your message of love carefully and thoughtfully and in your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the sermon is supply and demand. Now, if any of you have done business or did any kind of business course, you see, I wanted to be an accountant when I was growing up. And one of the things I had to do was to, I had to uh, study some level of economics. And one of the things that we uh, had to learn about was supply and demand. You know, our demand and supply, figure out how prices work. And I'm not going to give you a course in that, but I'm just going to make it very simple. If you have a lot of something, and there are a few people that want it, what happens to your price? It goes down. Good. If the opposite happens, if you have a very limited supply of something and a lot of people want it, what happens to the price? It goes up. So we perceive it as being more valuable. Here's a trick question. What happens if something is very valuable, there is a lot of it, and a lot of people want it. Ah. Think about sunshine. It is very valuable. A lot of people want it. Right? And there's a lot of it. Can I sell you sunshine here today? No. Do you need sunshine? Would you pay to get it? Yeah, 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 good. So sometimes this supply and demand breaks down, right? It breaks down depending on what the item is. But I'm going to talk to you today about one, our God, who supplies all of our needs. Okay? So I want you to turn in your Bibles with me. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, and it's verse 18. And we're not going to read quite yet, because part of understanding Genesis, a matter of fact, part of understanding these first five books in the Bible, the commonly called the Torah or the books of Moses, is to understand why they were written and who wrote them. Now, it is, is generally accepted that Moses wrote them. I believe Moses wrote them. Moses wrote the, five, the first five books of the Bible. And he wrote them to a group of Israelites, a group of slaves coming out of Egypt. Now they are coming out of Egypt, and they've been in Egypt for approximately how long? Does anyone know? 
430 years? Yeah, 430 years. So they've been in Egypt for a long time. And they have adopted some of the Egyptian customs and some of the Egyptian practices and the Egyptian beliefs and the Egyptian culture. And what is God doing? God has given, given them now these first five books through Moses to reshape their worldview, right? Sometimes as Christians, we live in a culture where we are indoctrinated with the culture around us and we forget who we really are. And so this beginning, Genesis, is to help the Israelites know who they are. In Egypt, there were slaves, and God is saying that in Genesis chapter 1, you are created in his image, right? You are created in his image. And in this part of the chapter where we're looking at, chapter 2, where you're looking at the creation of Adam and you're looking at the creation of woman, right? God is reshaping their view of what role a woman plays, but also that he is a God who supplies all their needs. You see, in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, a woman's value was not very high. Although in ancient Egypt, a woman had more status than other nations in, in that time comparably, because uh, there were female pharaohs. But ideally, most women, were their dominion was uh, limited to their home and their home life. If they controlled anything, it was their home. They were not highly respected outside of their home. And so God is giving this, God is reshaping the view of the Israelites by talking about the creation. Okay? So let's read Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. It is not good. You know, I, I wonder about that. God has been through creation. He's been saying it is good, it is good, it is good. And then he comes to this point. He says it is not good. So what's wrong? Do we have the same good God that did the creation? Did he make a mistake? So why is he saying this is not good? It's not good that man should be alone. Did God create loneliness? Hmm. Yeah, did God create loneliness? You see, God's creation was not complete. You see, his creation was not complete. God was in the process of making man complete, humanity complete. God wanted to bless man, say be fruitful and multiply, but it is not good because man was not complete. God, man could not carry out God's blessings without his helper comparable to him. Now, what is interesting here is that God, did you realize that God had already decided to make a woman? Does Adam know yet? No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't know. Adam doesn't know that God has already decided this, right? He recognizes the problem. God recognizes the problem. And he says it is not good for man to be alone. Sometimes we forget how important it is just to be, just to be present for others. You know, as a chaplain, I, I visited a patient one day, 
And this patient was, you know, we would say, they were in the hospital, they had some stuff going on, and it wasn't anything particularly serious, you know, but they needed to come into the hospital and, and get some help, and they were getting the help they need, needed. They were not, you know, in any critical condition, really, and they were going to be discharged uh, in a few days or so. They were just what we might sometimes say, just kind of hanging out, you know, just waiting to get well. And so I'm making my rounds, and I do a visit, and we're not talking about anything, no spiritual crisis, no uh, struggle about who God is in their lives, none of that stuff. We just kind of talked, and as it was getting time to leave, you know, I said, you know, I'll just say a prayer, and, you know, we prayed together, and at the end of my prayer, a uh, patient begins to cry. Now, being a chaplain, I have to ask a question, you know, why, why are you crying? Not quite like that, though. But, you know, I have to ask that question. And the response was this simple. It says, just the fact that you came and show that you cared. We sometimes forget how important it is to care for people who are alone. But God recognizes that that is not good for man to be alone. And he decides to solve that problem. I'll make a helper comparable to him. You know, and so God decides to let, to, to start this process of creating a woman. And what does he do next? We have in verse 19, he says, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, I don't know about you, but if I am alone, or as, the, um, as the, the Hebrew kind of translates more, to, to separate oneself, right? To separate yourself. If I am alone, and you bring me animals to name, and they all have partners, doesn't this kind of reinforce that loneliness? You know? I don't know about you, but I would feel a way. You know? And I don't want you to think, being alone is not sin. Sometimes we treat being someone being single as a, a sort of a sinful situation. It needs to be fixed. All right? Being alone is not sin. It's not sin. All right? Adam was alone because, you know, God said it was not good because there was a purpose that God had in mind for humanity that could not be fulfilled. And that was not good. All right? But here's God giving Adam a work to do that heightens his sense of awareness of where he is. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a situation where you realize you need help? You're asking God for help. And then he puts you in a situation that just highlights how much more you need that help. I don't know about you. That, that has happened to me. So a matter of fact, let me give you my story here. Um, I have a car that's um, not working that well. And so I'm, I'm driving my car that's not working that well, and that was yesterday, actually, uh, on my way home. And while driving this car that's not working that well, it decided to work less well. <laughs> and so as I'm going home, I'm praying, Lord, please take me home. <laughs> you know? and, and don't take me home, but take me home but take me home. 
And so I, I made it home safely, and we have a situation. You, see, you may notice that my wife and my kids are not here. They are um, at Winter Haven uh, Church because uh, the kids, they go to school at Winter Haven Academy, and they have their um, presentation there today with the church. So they needed to be at Winter Haven, and I needed to be here. So I needed two cars. My car is not working that well. And um, I knew that from before. I, I had been praying to the Lord, Lord, I, I need some help here. And so it does not help me at the point when I'm driving home and my car begins to work less well and, and God already knows that I have that problem. But because God supplies all our needs, I had a friend of mine who recently started working with Celebration Church. And I was able to use his car. You know, it's not my car, but at the same time, because God supplies all our needs, he was able to step in and provide for me what I needed. You know, and he just recently started working there too. I don't know if I would have asked anyone else to use their car. I'm just that kind of person. But I, I know him very well. And so it was a very easy thing for me to reach out and for him to say, hey, take it, no problem. So sometimes God places things in front of us that just heightens our, 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 our position of neediness even more. And that's what God seemed to do to Adam. But I don't want you to miss an important part of this, of this verse where it says, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. When we think of that just simply as that Adam named living creatures, he gave them names. There's a Hebrew thought that goes like this. And I, I, I like it, I love it because it makes sense. It makes so much sense. It wasn't so much that Adam, it wasn't so much that Adam named, gave the animals names, but rather that comment there says that the names that Adam gave the animals were the names that God would have named them. That Adam was so much like God that when he named the animals, God was saying, that's the name I would name it. And that he was so close to God made in his image, that as he thought about a name for that animal, it was the same name that God had chosen. And that was its name. You see, sometimes when we are pushed into that situation where we are seeing our, our need for Christ, sometimes he's just waiting for us to see how close we are to him before he can deliver what we really do need because God supplies all of our needs it says Adam gave names to all the cattle to the birds of the air to every beast of the field but for Adam there was not a helper found comparable to him now that word helper comparable that's Ezer Kenedo uh, Ezer is the helper part Kenedo is actually means like his opposite a helper like his 
opposite. You see? And I, I think that's just beautiful right there. So it's not just a helper, you know, a good companion, a friend to tag along, but a helper like his opposite. And this is important because this is not like his opposite in personality, but this is not like his opposite in, in goals, but this is like his opposite physically, right? And I think if we understand that, that would clear up a lot of things in our society, right? This is like his opposite because it said he named he gave names to all the cattle and the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. You see, all of those animals had an animal like their opposite, right? The only thing different was their physical appearance. And so there was not a helper comparable for him. And so what does God do? Now that Adam recognizes his need, God is able to supply his need because God supplies all of our needs. Sometimes we just really need to recognize our need for Christ in our lives. We really need to surrender ourselves and, and, and line ourselves so closely with Jesus that when, that when we encounter a situation in life, we would do exactly what he would do. And that will be the answer to our problems. That will give us the solutions that we need. But sometimes we are so uh, focused, as James would say, let me see. I don't know if you remember James. Remember James? He had something interesting to say. He said, where do wars, this is James chapter 4, he said, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And this is the part. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You see, God has no interest in giving us, in answering prayers for us, that are going to be wasteful in the end, right? Just as God placed Adam in this situation of, need, of showing his need for him, for him God, God sometimes places us in situations where we need to express our desire, not only for what, we, what we're asking in life from, from Christ, but also to recognize, to, to line ourselves up with him so closely so we would do exactly as he would do. Now, and so what does God do? He says, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and as he slept, he took one of his ribs. As he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord took which the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. God first brought the animals, right? Now he's bringing the woman. There's an important thing here. Could God have made the woman without taking the rib? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be a consensus. I'm just, just feeling you out, just feeling you out. Ezer Kenedo, helper like his opposite. All right? While we think that God can make the woman brand new, there's an important part to this. The Ezer Kenedo, like his opposite. Because God created Adam in his image, and God is unique, there is no one like God. God created Adam unique. No one like him, no animals to compare to him. If God created Adam so unique, and he is going to make someone like his opposite, a helper like his opposite. It has to come from him. Else God would be creating a brand new creature. Does that make sense? So God took part of Adam to create Eve. Well, to create woman. I should not say Eve yet. Yeah, Pastor Alex knows why. <laughs> so, God took part of Adam to create the woman because he created a helper like his opposite. And what was the value in that? You see, the value, remember we we're talking about the Egyptian view of women. Uh, I like what Ella White says. She says, Eve was created from a rib taken from the side of Adam, signifying that she was not to control him as the head, nor to be trampled under his feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal, to be loved and protected by him, a part of man, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. She was his second self, showing the close union and affectionate attachment that should exist, should exist in this relation. She was a helper like his opposite. The woman was also made in that image of God, but she was not a piece of property. She was his equal. You know, amen, amen. You see, sometimes because, because we think of, you're thinking of people coming from Egypt and they're, they have this view of women, and they have this view of family relationships that has been twisted. And God is, is clarifying all of that. He's saying, then, if you were to look at chapter 1, it says that he gave them both dominion over the earth. Not over the household. I did not stutter, right? Not over the household but they had dominion over the earth. You see, God has created for us, God who supplies all of our needs. When we have a need, he is able to, to fulfill it. Even for Adam, who needed a partner to be complete, God was able to fulfill that need. So even in your life now, God is able to supply every need that you have. 
a matter of fact, he has already begun preparing the way for you and has an answer for you today. Whatever it is you are praying about and struggling with, he already has an answer for you. The only struggle for us then is how close can we come to God so that when he gives us that task of naming animals, that we can truly say that whatever we call, whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Whatever we, you know, we are so closely connected to him that when we make a decision, he is center of it all and that that decision is the decision he would make. Then God can truly pour out his blessings on our lives because we are not asking amiss so we can spend it on our pleasures. Does that make sense? So, and now after that, he brought the woman to the man. And this is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. This is the very first song in the Bible. Adam breaks out into the song when he sees the woman. He breaks out into song. He says, now this this now is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, I want you to realize first, God had already called her woman. Right? God decided to make woman. Now Adam is saying she shall be called woman because, again, he's thinking like God. Right? But she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And when we come to that point where we are fully surrendered to God, we are fully surrendered to the cause of Christ, and he answers our prayers, then we also have a reason to say hallelujah and break out into song and rejoicing because we recognize that he has finally, he has, he has fulfilled his promise to us to make us complete. That that situation that was not good, he is finally able to make good in our lives. And I don't know, again, what you are going through. Sometimes it's education, sometimes it's finances, sometimes it is health. But God is able to, be, to take us through that valley. Because he is a God that supplies all of our needs, that even things like sunshine in our lives, he has an abundance of blessings for us. He does not run out. We sometimes run out of praises, but he does not run out of blessings. He does not run out of love. He does not run out of patience. And because God is eternal, his forgiveness is eternal. He does not run out of forgiveness. We may at times spurn that forgiveness. And we may say, you know, just like supply and demand, there's so much of it. It's not valuable. And I'm going to do my own thing. But what we really do need is that love, that forgiveness from God. 
So what God supplies, the needs that God truly supplies for us, is that need of salvation. Before the creation of the world, before there was even sin, God had already supplied that need. God has already supplied the need in your life. We just need right now to live closely to Him so that we can make the decisions that He would make so we would live the life. In other words, if you know, sometimes we make it so complicated. Think about it like this. If God were living your life, what would he do? What would he do? What decisions would he make? Would he lie to his co-worker? Would he have a relationship with someone he shouldn't have? Would he be tempted to steal? Would he steal? Would he... These human things that we sometimes struggle with, we forget that we sometimes, we are that. We are that image of God to a dying world. We are that sunlight in darkness. And if we are committed to living our lives closely connected to him, then he can truly supply all of our needs and the needs of our families as well. So my prayer for you, my prayer for you today, really, is that this coming week, you will not be overwhelmed by the things that are happening in this world or the things that are happening to you, but that you would recognize that just as God already had a plan for Adam, he already has a plan for you. And even though he's asking you to name animals, you are going to name them perfectly because you know that God supplies your needs and he will give you the answers and the blessings that you desire in your life.